Welcome back. It's time for a beer podcast. What a special guest we have this week. 214 AFL games, most of them at Richmond. A great country lad. Colt figure down at the Richmond Football Club. Probably due to his rucking abilities we saw in a premiership for the Tigers. Life member of that football club uh, and a really good country lad. I grew up with it under 13s through to under 18s. Uh, we sort of separated a little bit during our careers, but uh, it was fantastic to sit down with Sean Grigg for an hour and talk about all sorts of bits and pieces. He's obviously a popular member down at the Richmond Football Club. So much so, I found some audio of an act that Sean Grigg did, which paved the way for it another Richmond person to win a premiership. It was one of the most selfless acts. And sort of the situations like this uh, usually would probably happen July, August, but with, with the new rules coming in and, and me knowing deep down that I can't, I can't get back, um, now's the right time uh, to decide. I can't go on and I can't help on, on the field this year, but this, this might be my gift in, in helping, helping the club um, off field and maybe realising someone else's dream that they can come in and play. That's Sean Grigg retiring. That's his retirement speech, paving the way for Marlon Pickett to be recruited in the mid-season draft last year. And that story now writes itself. Pickett obviously going on to be a premiership player in his first game. If it wasn't for Grigger, who probably after 13 years had every right to sit in the footy club and enjoy his last couple of months. Retired, moved on. And the rest is history. Now, before we do get to the chat, please jump on, give it five stars. Um, a lot of you people have been doing it, a lot haven't. So if you can, do it. If you don't, I don't really care. Just sit back, enjoy a beer. Um, of course, hit me up on socials if you want me to chase down a guest. Uh, but if you do give me the five-star rating, I'll, uh, I'll send you that nude you've been chasing. I've been hit up copious amounts of times after a nude. I've been getting rave reviews. Dazzy's wife, I can confirm it is thoroughly unimpressive. There you go. So if you do want one of those pictures sent to you, please give me the five star. Just write a little review or something. It's a pandemic. We all need a bit of an ego boost. I don't get paid anything. So to be honest with you, it doesn't affect me if you do or don't. But please, if you got some time, do it. Now, here's Sean Grigg. Sean Grigg, welcome. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me, mate. Uh, what beer did you just crack then, mate? It's a can of the Great Northern, you beauty. Yeah, Great Northern, beautiful beer, mate. Love now, it. now, mate, um, before we get cracking, you are up in Hub Life uh, working with the cats these days. Uh, how's Hub Life going? Are you, are you over it or are you in a bit of a routine? Oh, I actually enjoy it up here. It's Queensland in, you know, for winter is unbelievable. Um, obviously, being in Victoria my whole life and with footy on during the winter, I've never experienced Queensland winter. So, and we also had a couple of weeks over in Perth as well, over your neck of the woods, which was good. Yep. So I've actually enjoyed it. Has the family tacked on yet? Are they in the hub quarantining or? Yeah, they're in the quarantine hub now, which is good. So uh, I didn't mind a little bit of time apart early <laughs> days, which is, which is nice. Just, you know, your own space, your own room, your own hours. But yeah, it was, it was getting, getting to the stage where I was, um, it was getting a bit too long, so I think we've done about nine or so weeks now. So I'm looking forward for them to coming up as well, mate. Be yeah, good. of course. It's funny when uh, West Coast, you know, obviously they play interstate every second week, and there's always that argument about travel and you know the, the boys. The boys love it. They have two nights away from the kids. They don't have to do anything. They lay yeah. in the bed. They sleep in the bed by themselves. There's no interrupting. 
but nine weeks is a lot different than the than the couple of nights that the interstate boys uh, have to have to bear. I suppose is the, is the term that you hear too often. Yeah, and, and everything here, like you know, we get it, our washing done, and you know, obviously we don't have to cook and clean, and so it's um it, and for me as well, just with a new club, it's been good to get yeah. to know the coaches and players, and um you know, f- sort of fast track all that that sort of stuff, but. And it actually has been pretty good fun. Now, mate, we'll get to your, your country upbringing. That's how I know you through the the Vic country um, scenes on the on the way up. But you've moved from the big smoke in, in Punt Road, almost being right in the middle of the hustle and bustle, back out to to the country, to the fresh air. Are you enjoying it? Is it different or something you always thought you were going to do? Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's living um, sort of right in the heart of Melbourne for sort of 13 years to get um, sort of out. Geelong's unbelievable. It's, I live in you know a five minute drive to the ground so it's, but the best part about it is no matter what time of the day um it's five minutes whereas melbourne especially going into punt road it could take you know 45 minutes oh yeah so nah. for that and i was actually walking in pre-season walking down to training which which was nice yeah beautiful mate have you put on any weight since finishing um i've got skinnier but yeah. i've put on weight if that makes sense so yeah, i've lost yeah. a bit i've lost a bit of muscle and put on a bit of fat Mate, at, the, at the moment, actually, on radio, I've, I've done an ad for the radio station for Absolute Cosmetics, and I'm advertising, <laughs> I'm advertising uh, man boob reduction. It's a serious read. I'm, I'm seriously <laughs> doing like, it's a serious. Doctor fucking Daniel can, in twenty years' experience, can reduce your man boobs overnight. But, like it's a dead set. How? Well, I think he just sucks it, just sucks it out. And the girl I work with wants, <laughs> wants my man boobs out and into hers. So um, it might yeah, be one of those. You got to give it a crack. Well, well, they don't pay me enough to bloody, but they are big. So, uh, mate, I'm nearly going to have to get into it. But let's head to Ballarat. Um, growing up as a kid in the country, footy always on the cards. Were you an academic? Because Damien Hardwick did say, and I've done a little bit of research, you're the smartest footballer at Richmond. He didn't distinguish whether it was academically or in a football sense. But uh, did you enjoy school? You're, you're a St. Paddy's lad. Yeah, St. Paddy's lad. No, I wasn't the best scholar. I enjoyed it, though, with a great bunch of mates. And obviously, it's a school, school, um, no, it's a football, footballing school. So I was pretty much there for that. And so I just got through year 12. And I had a fun year because, you know, you get your license, you start to go out a bit, mm. you know, you can go to the pub legally, all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, school there was great. Uh, it was good fun. I was there for more football than for academics, mate. Yeah, you, we, you, I remember playing against you and with you. and. I know we were, we were both little cheeky bastards, and we used to play on the wing and um, try and avoid the big fellas, but but chirp a little bit. Were you a bit of a smart ass at school? Uh, I suppose a little bit. I was pretty brash. Yeah, uh, yeah, growing up, but yeah, I, I also enjoyed yeah sitting out on the wing and you know playing against guys like yourself. You'd have a little bit of a bet or say you know I'll see you at quarter time <laughs> and you go this way and I'll go this way. So. I think we were both pretty smart in that regards and probably helped each other um, get drafted in the end. Mate, I remember a game where we played under-18s and we we're playing against Western Australia. I don't know if you remember this, but we were both on the wings. Uh, you and I on the wings. That big country team was unbelievable. Penderbury, Selwood, Higgins, um, Boak, and then you and I just roamed yep. the wings. And uh, there was a West Australian yep. player who looked like the world's biggest thug. Like, had long hair, eyes that looked like they were going to absolutely kill you. And we both weren't, we were both too scared to play on the wing, so we rock, paper, scissors who had to go play on that wing. It was Jared Oakley-Nichols, who I've met copious times over here, and not a bad fella, but I remember walking out to the wing and going, I'm rock, paper, scissors, I'm not playing on his wing, I'm frightened of him. Oh, no, I, I, I vividly remember that. And also, I had a, 
one of the other games was against South Australia in that year. And um, I think I must have had a bad game. I got moved to the half forward flank. And bloody had to come up against old Bunger Hearn, who looked oh, yeah. like he was thirty. He looked like he was thirty years of age, and I got about two kicks for the game, and he had about twenty-eight, and that was the end of me. <laughs> there was one. There was one bit of vision. I still remember that game. Someone got cleaned up, did something courageous, and it obviously wasn't me. But the commentators at the time were like, "Oh, Alice with courage," and I was like. Oh, well, that'll do. Some poor bastard's left his yeah, ribs yeah, on the ground. It. But it'll definitely, because Shannon Hearn went straight through someone. And you're right, he looked like he was 30. He looks almost younger now than he did when he was had the hair and stuff. Yeah, he absolutely pulled my pants down, mate. Gave me a good lesson. Mate, you were in, uh, were you part of the Ballarat side that was undefeated, then skittled straight sets in TAC Cup? Yes, part of that side. Part of that side, so. You know the reason why we got skittled, though? Why? I didn't play the finals. I had a broken thumb. Broken, oh, there you go. That's why. That, that, there's, there's the reason. But you had a pretty good TAC Cup team, didn't you? I remember. I know the Brown boys were there. Who else was in your side that was heaps draftable? Uh, we had James Frawley. Yep. Um, he was good. Uh, Tim Houlihan, he got drafted over to West Coast. Oh, yeah, Hull's good, good runner. Yeah, good runner. Uh, we had Matt Austin, he played a few games for Brisbane. Matt yep. Tyler played a few games for Brisbane. So we had a few. We had a big Justin Hardy. Remember big Justin oh, Hardy? Oh, yeah, big he Justin Hardy. Big yeah. Country. Big country big boy. Baller. Yeah, so we had a, we had a great team, but um, yeah, choked in the finals, mate. But fell short. I hey, drafted pick nineteen to the Blue Baggers. Was that about right? Did you did you? And when did you realise you were going to play AFL football? Was it something that you thought all the way through, or once we did a bit of AIS Vic Country, you didn't get drafted the first year because of your age, and then you were available drafted? Was it? When did you realise that AFL was a viable option? Oh yeah, well. Probably when we did the AIS, but then that year I was eligible, but I didn't get drafted. I yep. missed out. Um, and that, that was probably not the making of me, but I had to grow up a bit because yep. I sort of thought going through all those talent pathways that I was probably just going to roll in and get drafted and yeah. and probably rely on talent, but it um, didn't get me there. And I sort of had to pull my socks up a bit and work a bit harder and get the skinnies down and apply myself, which which I I did in, did in that year. And then, yeah, got drafted to the Blue Baggers at pick 19. I originally thought I was going to Adelaide at pick 14, but yeah. they ended up choosing a local lad, James Seller, which worked out James okay Seller. for me. Yeah, it doesn't ring a bell. I don't think you played too much too much footy, but uh, so you played 43 games at Carlton before getting traded for Andrew Collins in a direct in a direct trade. Did you enjoy your time at Carlton, or what was the frustration in the end? Just opportunity? Yeah, I, I loved my time at Carlton. It was sort of rocking into a club, and uh, Lance Whitner was the captain, Oh jeez! Um, you know we had we had Brendan we had Brendan Favola. <laughs> you know, both those boys used to stop at the bubble taps going around Princes Park in our time <laughs> trials. But um, <laughs> I loved it because uh, yeah, you know, it was such a fun culture. I can probably see why now. You know we weren't that successful. You know we were sort of going out a fair bit, yep. and enjoying ourselves, uh, which which I love that that side of footy clubs. And yeah, yeah, but it ultimately come down to I was sort of in and out of the team and. Um, Richmond approached me halfway through 2010 and just asked to have a, a meeting at the end of the year. And once I met Damien Hardwick, he, he didn't um, promise me anything, but he said he was going to give me every chance to be, be an AFL player. And so, yeah, I just took the plunge and took it. It's funny, Josh Kennedy uh, had on a couple of weeks ago from Sydney, obviously went from Hawthorne, who was just, you know, playing a little bit of footy in and out and all that sort of stuff to Sydney. And that's all he needed was Horse just to say, or uh, Rusey to say, I'm not promising anything, but I'm definitely going to give you as much of a head start as I possibly can. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It, it's great when you get the confidence of a, of a senior coach that says, because obviously you drafted to Carlton and the coach hasn't got a clue who you are. 
But then as you get traded yeah. on, like obviously the coach knows who you are, has an interest, and, and, and thinks you can be successful in the footy club. Yeah, and that, and that was pretty much why, why I left um, and why I went to Richmond was, yeah, Dimmer just said exactly that. So, yeah, I just I sort of backed myself in and thought, you know, if I can get half a season at least playing in the, in the ones, then yeah. hopefully that'll be enough to get comfortable at the level and prove myself. 171 games. What, what were you drafted? What, what did they trade for you as? What, what was the role that they um, sort of earmarked you to have? Because it definitely changed towards the back end of your career. <laughs> what, what, what was it? Yeah. And, how, and how did the conversation come about that you were going to ruck? Because I still reckon it was a genius move. Yeah, yeah, I was just drafted sort of as a midfielder winger. Yeah. But, you know, I could pinch it probably half back as well. So play a few different positions. But, yeah, that the ruck stuff sort of happened early 2017 when Ben Griffiths got knocked out yep. in a game early and someone had to um, back up Toby Nankervis because we only played – the only other tall – sort of player that you'd consider would be Jack Rewalt. Yeah. Let's be honest, they're not throwing the big wind <laughs> nah. into the ruck, which is which is fair enough. So um, Dimmer just came up to me and said, do you want to have a crack at it? Oh, sort of asked me, but I suppose I had no other choice. Yeah. What am I going to say? Yeah. yeah, mate, no worries. I'm keen. Whatever you want me to do. Yeah. But he, he, was, he was really good because he just sort of said, play it on your own terms and on your own merits. We don't expect you to crash and bash. And you know, if you don't want to jump, you know, don't get killed by these guys. And, yeah. Um, I had a pretty bad experience one day in over at Perth in the new stadium against Nick Nat. Oh, yeah. And um, he was sort of la- laughing at me, <laughs> laughing at me in the center bounce because I was got stuck in a center bounce against him, laughing. And um, and anyway, the ball went up and uh, he tapped the ball directly over my head, roved it himself and kicked <laughs> it to the, the top of the goal square. And I just ran straight to the interchange. <laughs> To get off, and the and all the crowd um, <laughs> behind the bench were just standing up, just giving me a standing over. <laughs> oh, but, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it, but yeah, obviously couldn't do much against those guys. Geez, I used to love it because I argue that um, if you have got a good ruckman, it's worth it. But if you don't, you may as well fucking have another midfielder in there having a crack. But I used to laugh occasionally <laughs> when you'd pretend you were going to jump, and the ruckman was smart enough to work out that you weren't jumping and just send it. They're just like, just send it, and off we go again. The, uh, I looked at your grand, yeah. I, I looked at your grand final um, stats. I was like, wonder how many hit outs you got in the in the granny. Uh, you didn't get your hands to one. I dis, I dispute this champion <laughs> data. I hundred percent got one hit out against Josh Jenkins in a boundary throw in. And I actually mentioned it in a coaches meeting the other day, and I got a bit fired up about it. So they're going to put the call into Champion Data to get it changed. Oh mate, absolutely! You had you had a good game, like a really good game. And I was hot dogs, <laughs> and but then when you didn't get the hit out, I thought, nah, that's not right. And is it true that our little birdies told me that there was a period of time when you were in the ruck that you and Dusty might have been having wages, financial wages, <laughs> whether you'd win the hit out or not? Uh, I did. Uh, Dusty was looking pretty good for the Brownlow that year and towards the back end of the year he he would whisper to me every now and then if you can win this hit out and tap it to me I'll give you 50 bucks <laughs> so it, it was sort of it was a win-win for them because yeah. uh, he would get the ball if I actually won it which wasn't going to happen mostly but the other time is I'd get me confidence up and try and go in but then get smashed <laughs> yeah. so they'd have a good laugh at that as well so um, it one day I actually did, I got a bad bounce the, um, from the center bounce and it should have been called back, but it wasn't. And I tapped it to him and straight after the game, gave me a pineapple. <laughs> Rolled over with a 50. Yeah, straight after oh, the game. mate, it's brilliant. I still got it too. Yes, yeah, keep it and do not spend that. And it is one of those ones too. Dusty in 2017 was having a season that we've never really seen before. 
And obviously, as a midfielder, you rely on a bit of craft coming your way. <laughs> and then in comes Grigger. Yeah. They were made to earn their money that year with the midfielders, weren't they? Oh, was that the best season of footy you've, you've ever seen, Dusty? Oh, yeah, I think so. Especially that final series. Yeah. He was sort of best on ground every game. So that oh, that's what I sort of, um, you know, like liken players to is those big games and big moments. And he just stood up in every single one. When did uh, he's, he's, he's also also his off his uh, off uh, not off season his um, when he was a, away from the footy club and yeah. that was a pretty all time uh, all time season for him as well. Oh I mate, had some fun. Well, I've got some <laughs> footy trip stuff uh, coming for you, so um, I've got that tucked away. With, with, regarding Richmond, I don't know when we we're at Hawthorne, and I suppose all around the AFL, they were a little bit of the running joke. You know, finish ninth, won't make the finals, won't won't do any damage. <laughs> When, when did it turn? Like I, I still don't understand how it bloody. I still don't even understand how Richmond play. It just like goes in one direction and they just kick a lot of goals and win a lot of games. <laughs> like, but there's no real sign. There's obviously signs to it behind it, but like it just looks like pressure. Get it going. But what was the moment where you guys realised that you're actually onto something? Yeah, it was uh, the last game in 2016. We played Sydney and got beaten, belted by yeah. 110 points. And I remember my mum and dad were there. And you know, just from Ballarat, they both work on the city council. So haven't got a great deal of money or everything. And you know, I sort of said to him in the rooms after the game, like, why do you bother come? Like, yeah. why, spend, why spend your money to come to Sydney and just watch this? Like, go go on a holiday for yourself. Like, stop yeah. stop wasting your money. And then when we got back to pre-season, it was just flipped on its head. It was just um, Dimmer just wanted to bring the fun back in footy and, you know, why you fell in love with the game when you were young and why did you get drafted, you know, Every player has these, you know, great strengths and why they were drafted. But sometimes when you get into the system, it's drummed into you what you need to improve on or, you know, what you're not good at. So we just went back to that and came up with a game style that, um, you know, you can bring every week and just relied on effort. And yeah, like you said, it's pretty basic. It's just get the ball forward and put pressure on. I still remember too, mate, and people probably listening and stuff will go, oh, footy, it's just fun, it's just fun, it's just fun. I still remember the day... I was with Grant Virtual. We were in Adelaide, leaving Adelaide, going down an escalator. And I remember saying to him, like, this is a fucking job. Like, we were hating it. We are getting bashed. We are on the front page of the paper as being weak. Like, it was – the fun just got drained out of it so, so quickly. You know, you had your highs and your lows and all that sort of stuff. But as I said, like, it becomes a job when it's not fun, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. So we, we went back and um, I was the self-proclaimed president of the social committee. So um, <laughs> I, I made I made sure that – it was not like a country footy club, but, you know, we had little things like, um, you know, dress-up parties and just like what I loved growing up about footy was just that connection and camaraderie, mm. whether it was a few beers in the rooms after a game, you know, when you're doing recovery, just those little things that um, I think made a big difference and just, like you said, brought the fun back a bit. The um, it, it often does have a bit of a beak and an alarm goes off when a young kid turns up and you don't know whether they're saying it to say the right answer or not, but when they go... Oh yeah, um, I don't, I don't have a beer or anything, and they're always the one that has trouble getting into the group because the social side of a football club, especially when you're at a good team, is where it all gels and like where your mateship and stuff comes. Did you find that everyone bought into the social aspect that you were saying? Yeah, and it sort of changed a bit, I suppose, to that when when we first started. You know, it was, you know, you go into the pub with the older guys and you'd try and drink as much as they could and all that sort yeah. of stuff. 
make a fool of yourself, but it sort of changed us, um, Richmond. We just made the environment fun. You, yeah. know? you didn't have to have a beer or you didn't have to get drunk or anything like that. It was just Turn up. a fun environment that in, there that included everyone. And there was yeah. no pressure on anyone to do anything, just to, to hang around with your mates and talk a bit of shit and have a bit of fun. So the, the social, um, the self-proclaimed social officer, is that is that also an extension of the common sense officer? Were you um, <laughs> annoyed at the, the common sense officer? And can you explain that to us? Oh, yeah. I just sometimes think, you know, footy clubs are big businesses and very professional. A lot of, you know, I think there's a meeting about a meeting and mm. sometimes just the common sense decision is the best thing. So, um, you know, I used to look at things and decisions through that lens, X, just through common sense. And more often than not, I thought it was the right way to go. Would, would Dimmer or anyone throw to you for uh, to, to resolve any issues or how did it come about like... We call him the voice of reason. We, we, we used to go to the voice of reason and um, <laughs> Eric McKenzie was the voice of reason for us. Like we'd be up, we'd have our knickers in a knot about something and he'd go, relax boys, it's all going to be okay. But <laughs> did, did you, did you like, did we actually, people would come to you, were you in the leadership group and stuff and that was why the, the common sense officer sort of snuck in there? Yeah, it was just more, yeah, the players that, like you're saying, would be annoyed at something or why, why wouldn't we do it through this way? And so, yeah, I was just... Yeah, I suppose, yeah, I'll just go and voice it to whoever, the coaches or the footy manager. And um, yeah, often they're not, yeah, sometimes we got our way, sometimes we didn't. But yeah, I just, uh, that's how I sort of, yeah, had a good rapport with the boys and, and the upstairs department as well. It's funny. And I think you, you hit it right on the head. You know, things can be black and white. They don't need to be coloured and everything. You can just go, that's wrong, that's right, let's move on. Like it, it is, in the footy clubs, they sometimes just try and spin it into a thousand different webs and you're like, I'm confused, we're all confused. Sometimes yes and no is yeah. just, just the way to go. Oh, mate, I couldn't agree more. You just got to kick more goals in the oppo. Yeah. Pretty simple. Hey, talking about, um, you know, officers and, and fitness staff. Well, we haven't spoken about fitness staff, but I want to ask you about uh, Peter Burge, who is your fitness <laughs> coach at, at, at Richmond. Yeah, he is. Now, Burgie, yeah, he's the high-performance manager. Now, Burgie was with us at um, at Hawthorne for a long period of time and then obviously moved over to you guys. Now, Peter Burge was, I think, favourite to win gold in the long jump in the 2000 Olympics or the Commonwealth Games or whatever. I think Jumping Jai um, might have just gone past him. I used to love Grigger before. I used to get on the bench press and, you know, we're pushing for PBs on the day. You know how long jumpers <laughs> you stand at the top of their mark and, like... <laughs> yeah, clap, clap the crowd in. I used to do yeah. that in the gym, and all the boys used to start clapping me in. And then I'd get on the yeah. bench press with me eighty-five kilos and wrestle eighty-five <laughs> kilos up as high as I could. But um, so Virgie left us and, and went to you guys. Now uh, you would have done Saturday morning run sessions um, as, as often as we all did. So in pre-season, you go to it, and it's a, it, they're tough running sessions on a Saturday morning. But as I sort of weaned out, and you, you're still in the thick of it, you had to fill in. Yeah, you know, a couple of ratings, how you're feeling, your motivation, your soreness and all that sort of stuff. Is it true on a Saturday morning, every Saturday morning before a running session, you used to motivate yourself a one out of 10 and that used to get sent to Burgie? <laughs> I did uh, as I got older. And, and those things get sent around to all the players, you know. Then the coaches and fitness staff say, listen, we want you to be honest on how you're feeling, you know. <laughs> so I was honest. I, I, to be late In my latter part of my career, I wasn't motivated to get up at 6.30 in the morning to just go to the... Faulkner Park in Melbourne and run. I, don't, I didn't mind going on the footy over, you know, with footy drills or yeah. that, but just to run for the sake of running, I, I didn't enjoy it. Uh, and I told him. Mate, well, <laughs> I was honest with him. Well, when you think about it, we just spoke about you being the common sense officer. It makes sense. You, you, you're near, <laughs> does, you're near 30. 
It's Saturday morning. You've been doing it for 12 years, 13 years or whatever it was. Mm. It's cold and it's a running session with our footballs. How would anyone rate that above a one out of 10 motivation wise? <laughs> I know, but he used to always keep a keen eye on me. And if I put in, it'd be all right. But if one day where I sort of just, I don't know, I must've had a bad day. And I said, no, nah, bugger <laughs> this. I'm just going to, I'm a bit older. I should be able to just relax at the back and have yeah. one session. And he tore absolute shreds off me well, in mate, front of everyone, which is, which is fair enough looking back. But he was just waiting for that one time where I just let it slip and I did. He, he got me once. Um, I was injured, had to do a Saturday morning running session. And the drink bottles were in the middle of the ground. And I was running 300s around the outside. Anyway, I had to do 10 or something like that. And he looked at the GPS and said, I only did nine, which I did. <laughs> but I thought that if I sprinted to the drink bottles, grabbed myself a drink bottle and sprinted back to the start, I could count that <laughs> as one. And he's looked at the map and he sees the rogue run to the drinks and run back. And he's like, you're cutting fucking corners. I was like, mate, I'm about to die of thirst. Like, give me a break. Oh, Burge, you could wind him up, couldn't you? Oh, you still can. We we used to play cricket a lot as well in the in the gym and the big like training hall. And we'd do this like this old one when he was coming into bowl. And <laughs> yeah. He used to think he was a great cricketer, but he was a horrible bowler. Oh, the um, how's family life going for you? Good, mate. I really enjoy it. A couple of boys, Sonny and Spencer. Yep. Now, just would would there is Sonny going to grow up and believe his dad might be the the biggest legend that's ever graced the earth? Is it true that when he goes to bed, you tell him bedtime stories? of sporting events that just haven't never existed and you just like put yourself in these stories as though you're the sports star. He does ask me to tell him a story every night before bed. And at the start I was telling him actual real stories, but then I had nothing else. Like, <laughs> and he can't go to sleep with his story. So I, I sometimes just say, you know, I was at 13 years old at high school carnival <laughs> athletics and I won the 100 and the 200 and the long jump and, he must think, yeah, he, when he grows up, he's going to um, get a rude shock. Oh, mate, he's going to go to high school and they'll be asked to do a presentation <laughs> on their dad and he'll, he'll, present, he'll yeah. present Michael Jordan. That's what it'll be like. <laughs> yeah, my dad played NBA, my dad was this, my dad was that. But um, two boys, are they showing any interest in footy? I know they're only, well, one's six and one's three, but any signs in, in footy? Um, yeah, little bits and pieces. It, it was more um, Sonny, who's the oldest. Uh, he just hung around the footy club like it was a playground and... You know, he'd do recovery sessions with us and he'd come out he'd come out one day at home and to the shock of Sarah, my wife, um, he's I don't know, got to hold of some texters and he drew all over his arms and all over his <laughs> um, face and he come out and he said, Mom, I just want to be like Dusty. <laughs> so he's um he's having an influence over him already, although um yeah, hopefully it's just on field stuff. How good are um, how good are footy clubs though when you've got Dusty and you see Koch and his kids all running around, but like from the outside, it looks like Dusty gives a lot. Like he actually is a caring person. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He loves kids and he's a great teammate. You know, a lot of people would sort of think he's this big rock star that comes into training, yeah. you know, and he's big Jeep and then goes home. But he's, uh, yeah, he's very giving to the young players and, um, you know, he helps them with their footy and, you know, he's, he's grown up the last couple of years. What was he like he when you say he had to? When you say he had to grow up, and I don't, you don't need to go into too much detail. But like um, the difference between Dusty Brownlow medalist v Dusty, a bit younger, a bit wilder, by the, from the outside, was it? It could have gone either way in terms of he was just going to be an average footballer with the showed good signs to to or a superstar, or was he always going to get there? 
He just needed a couple of rockets. And how did Dimmer deal with him? Yeah, I think I think he was sort of always going to get there, you know, if he just got through those couple of wild years. Well, not wild years, but maturing years, I suppose. Mm. We all um, did him. He had one of our he had one of our ex teammates from Big Country, Dan Connors, there as well. Oh yeah, big Dan um, Connors. Yeah, yeah, big Dan <laughs> Connors. That's right. Um, yeah, but no, nah, he. I sort of. I think once he worked out that he had to actually put in you know, more than what just the AFL program is to be a good player. Yeah. He sort of went away and did boxing, you know, away from the club and got himself super fit and saw the rewards of that. Yeah, absolutely. And now and parenting is hard. So it was, parenting's hard. Is it true you go oh, on... Is, it, is, it, is it true that you go and do a lot of phantom shits to avoid parenting? You go... Early days, I did. Yeah. Early days, I'd go in, but now I can't hide. The kids are <laughs> six and three. They just come down banging on the door, opening the door. <laughs> yeah. when, when, when they were just crawling or couldn't move, then, yeah. And I was doing a lot of extra recovery sessions at the footy club and did, did massages you guys, and all that stuff. Did you ever have FIFA at, at the footy club? No, nah, not really. No, I didn't get involved. So we used to have FIFA going. Now, you'd think FIFA would be more suitable for, you know, the 18-year-olds that have come into the footy club. There used to be, it yeah. used to be 28 plus always, and I never understood why. <laughs> And then you'd go through and go three kids, four kids, two kids, one kid. They all just refused to go home. Well, I just can't face it just yet. I'm just going to chill for a while. Yeah, I can. Yeah, yeah, that's understandable. Mate, tell us about biz- tell us about business now. I listen to Triple M, uh, the Rush Hour all the time with Billy and JB. And every time they get you on, they talk about the Spud Bars. Yeah. Uh, tell me about the Spud Bars. Oh, I, I saw. I had one actually. I've only had one, and it was. Um, on Swan Street when I was back uh, for Christmas time down at the Spud Bar. I, I was sort of staying in East Melbourne. I'm there. Run me through the Spud Bars and, and how did you get into Spud Bars and how many of you owning? Um, so at, at the time, I was interested in business. And long story short, I got put onto the guy who uh, owned it. And he also had a share in Grilled. He started Grilled the Hamburgers. Yeah. So he was a switched on dude. And um, yeah, he gave me an opportunity to, to buy in and there was about five or six stores at that stage and they were sort of company owned, but then he wanted to do a franchise model, which is, yeah. uh, I didn't realize at the time. Um, I was like, why would you want to do that? Because we won't get all the money. But um, yeah. you know, once I learned actually what happened, it was a, a great result. We ended up getting about 21. <laughs> so I learned, learned a bit about everything, but um, had some free spuds along the way. And uh, probably thankfully now got, um, got an offer to get bought out in 2018 because far out i don't know if many would be open at the moment with all the COVID stuff so yeah good it was call. just a bit of a cra- crash course and a uh, bit of fun and yeah hey, have you got anything else cooking or is it um you've had a little bit of fun you had 21 spud restaurants and now you're uh just gonna simmer for a while or have you got anything else that you're about to get into no i don't i've got nothing no are you gonna build or buy in geelong are you gonna settle there yeah, yeah, we've got a ha- we bought a house in Geelong. Yeah, um, yeah, just five minutes from the footy club. So, being a Ballarat boy, it's only an hour away. And my brother's uh, he lives down there as well. Is it so, Newtown? New is that the good suburb? You in Newtown? I'm in Newtown. Yeah, yeah. I knew do you that. know Newtown? No, I just knew it was the rich. Newtown? I just knew it was the rich suburb. I just knew it was the Hawkins and Selwood <laughs> both used to live in there. So I, I used to just drive yeah. aimlessly and put Newtown in my um, in my GPS, and then I'd say, "Come get me." I just knew they were there somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, it was nice. The pro- uh, property prices are a little bit different in Melbourne, so <laughs> in you go. Good. Hey, footy trips. Now you were the the captain of the footy trip as such. You, you were the organizer. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, didn't miss one. 
didn't didn't miss one. So it was was it a yearly thing? Because I remember uh, West Coast when I was there, it was virtually compulsory attendance to go on the footy trip. Um, surgery got you out of it a little bit, and, and obviously, if your wife or partner was, was pregnant, but was it a, was it a big deal the, the footy trips? Yeah, it was. I I just loved it because I remember when I was sort of first and second year, how you just you know you get around the older blokes and you just come together and sort of the stuff we we're talking about before. So I, we tried to make it. Um, first off, we started in in Cairns just on a weekend, just so we could get a lot of numbers. Because yeah. the young boys, if you go overseas or America, or you know the young boys say I can't afford it or going away for too long. And yep. so we said Cairns for a weekend, everyone has to go because you know it's three-hour flight or whatever it is and it's only a couple of nights so that's how it started and then it grew legs thailand hong kong a few times and yeah yeah we'd, we'd, do, we'd do a few fundraisers and yeah try and um, try and get everyone along so thailand um is it there was a night in thailand i reckon uh we took the boys to a um a pizza um sort of setup and <laughs> you you walked in and, and then all of a sudden the free drinks sort of came out and you stood in front of the boys and let them know that, you know, Grigger, Grigger gets the job done. You can always rely on Grigger. Grigger's the man. I've organised free drinks for us boys, da-da-da. And as as you had your pizza and, you know, a big pint of beer or a big jug of beer or whatever it was each, someone found the sign that said um, free beer with your pizza. Is that right that you... <laughs> <laughs> no, I've been a bit of a stitch up there, but I, it's yeah, sort of true. I just, as you know, in Thailand, you can barter. Yeah. So... I, so I'd go to a restaurant and I'd have 35 blokes standing behind me wanting to come in and every place would be trying to call you. So I'd just go up to them and say, well, what deal are you going to give us? Yeah. And they'll say, no, it's not good enough. Go to the next one. What deal are you going to give us? <laughs> so when you've got 35 blokes standing, standing behind you, it's, a, it's an easy negotiation. Thirsty in Thailand, boys anyway. too. Thirsty boys. Yeah, exactly. Best so yeah we, yeah, we we had a lot of good nights. So mate, what was the, what was the best footy trip you went on? Yeah, definitely Hong Kong, mate. After 2017 Grand Final, we had a uh, oh, we had a lot of the guys come, and um, yeah, Jack, Jack Rewald organised the Hong Kong Jockey Club for us, and we got presented on stage looking like idiots. No one knew who we were, or but you know we didn't care. It was good fun. The uh, we, the sim- similar story. We went to uh, Hong Kong 08 at the end of 08, and went to the races and some stuff. And remember Ray Hall and Mark Chaffee. Yeah, uh, Chaffee was number six yeah, in Richmond. And, and Big Hall yeah. was, I think, maybe 20 at, at a 20. guess. Yeah. Anyway, they were, um, we're, we're sitting there as, as pissed as two parrots, and all of a sudden they were doing a beer drinking contest on stage. Mark Chaffee <laughs> and Ray Hall. Right. <laughs> anyway, we ran into them. Uh, did you get to these, a dragon eye? Did you go to dragon eye over there? Uh, I don't think we went there. But oh. I was in a bit of a work. I, I had um, two wisdom teeth taken out oh, yeah. a couple of days before. A couple of days before, and um, uh, one of my mates, uh, uh, he had his own dentist practice, and yep. he took him out for <laughs> just in the chair. And um, the only thing he said, he said, oh, I'm going to Hong Kong in a couple of days, you know, footy trip. He's like, oh, shit. Um, the only thing I'd advise you is don't smoke or have a cigar or anything. Yeah. I, I don't know what. Um, I said, oh, no worries. And anyway, first we got there drinking on the plane, whatever, roll in, and because we won the premiership, we said, oh, there was a cigar bar at our hotel in the pool. Yeah. I said, oh, let's have a cigar. Yeah. So sucking back a couple of big fat Cubans and nothing ever happened. So the, suffering your jocks. The, um, I remember in Hong Kong, I, I kissed a girl with the biggest nose I've ever seen. Ever. <laughs> 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 
Well, no, and, and love and respect everyone, but she was called the Wicked Witch of the West. Mate, honestly, <laughs> but it was hard to get in there. It was hard to even approach it. It was, um, how, do I get, how do I slide between the big schnozzer? Oh. Anyway, the bloody Hong Kong, good fun. The, uh, now, everyone loves to hear about sprays from footy coaches. Dimmer, who, uh, another one who was at Hawthorne for a period of time, good personality, can have a hothead, often ejected from his community social basketball um, games that he used to play That's true. in. He used to always get booted. <laughs> Out true. you go. Uh, what's the biggest spray you, you were on the end of? And what was the biggest one you can remember? And it might not have been aimed at you, but who, who was it aimed at? Oh, I got a big one once. We were playing St Kilda uh, at, at Ehad Stadium and we were going all right. We were... We're up by a few goals. And in the first half, I'd had a pretty good first half. I think I sort of had 19, 20 possessions. Yeah. And I was sort of, um, in the rooms at halftime and to the boys. And um, I said, yeah, shit, I'm having a good one here, boys. I'm going to fill my boots. <laughs> and um, David Armitage must have been having a good game. So it, the word came um, that I had to tag him and shut him down. And I was yeah. like, fuck, I'm going to fill my boots. Like career high <laughs> stuff here. Like far out. And then anyway, um, they ended up coming back and knocking us over. And Armo, I didn't do a very good job and uh word got around to dimmer that i said that at yeah. halftime yeah, right. and he pulled me into his office after the game and he just gave me both barrels um which was fair enough and then similar we played a game against the hawks uh and it was down in tassie i think it was um like a, a nab game yeah and i lined up on the wing on little brad hill who'd oh, just been drafted yeah. oh yeah and uh anyway i come in at quarter time and i was like shit i've had six or seven here i'm feeling good said to a few of the boys, hey, get me out on this wing. I'm bloody killing it. And Dimmer brings us into the huddle and he goes, who the fuck is on Brad Hill? I was just like, hey. <laughs> so oh. he was good. Um, yeah, he gave he gave a couple of real good clips, Dimmer, but um, yeah, they were warranted. The um, Brad Hill too. And it's really weird. Like he's only small. He's obviously bigger now, but like, when he first started, you're thinking it's time to cash in on this little prick. I've never seen so, I've never seen anyone run the way Brad Hill runs in a game of football, like fast and nonstop. And like he he was he used to cramp early days, like second quarter, how hard he'd run. Yeah, well, that's what I thought. Like I'd start on him on the wing, but then no one would be around me, so I was thinking he can't be on me anymore. He's up you know in the back pocket, then he's on the forward flank. But yeah, he was just such a better runner than me. And, <laughs> Dimmer thought so too. <laughs> who, the, who the fuck's on Brad Hill? It sounds like um, a question that Simo asked us one day in, in uh, at West Coast. Uh, Darren Glass's last game, so captain of the footy club, and I wasn't going out. I was like, nah, boys, not for me tonight. Um, I'm just going to call it a night. And then Mark LeCrae and those guys are like, your captain has retired and you're not coming. And Matty Rosen and them. And I was like, right, I'll pop in for a couple. Anyway, before I knew it, before I knew it, you know, five a.m. in the morning, you get home, six a.m. recovery or seven a.m. recovery or whatever. Uh, and I remember Jamie Cripps; he couldn't balance to do his quad stretch. He kept falling over, and that got back to Simo. And anyway, in the meet, and we we're hanging. We didn't make the finals that year, two thousand fourteen. We're hanging on for dear life to get into the eight and up and down all year. And I'm, I sit. I was sitting front row at West Coast. I was the front row, sort of middle. And Simo's pacing and pacing and pacing, and he's like. Who the fuck would go out? And I thought it was a genuine question. And because I'm sitting front row, I can't see you sitting behind me. <laughs> yeah. So I'm front row with my hand as high as you've ever seen, thinking honesty is the best policy. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I hear a few sniggers. I spin my head around. 
Not one soldier had followed me in. Not one. And, and Simo goes, that's not a fucking question you answer. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh. Why'd I put my hand up? And, and sure enough, like the crow and those boys go to me, mate, when they ask questions like that, you just got to see you put their hands up. If people throw them up quickly, put it up. If no one puts their hand up, just play dumb like you weren't there. Bloody hell. That's a rookie error for you. Oh, mate, sitting in the front row. Where, where did you sit? Did you have your set seat at Richmond? Were you a back row bandit? Yeah, I, I was sort of up, up towards the back. Um, yeah, I was for that for that type of reason. Yeah. You don't want to be. You don't want to catch the eye of the coach. Yeah, no, you're right. Meetings. If you're up. If you're up the front in the middle, they you always see you. So, just up the back, right up to the end. Well, I sat next to Cyril at Hawthorne, and you just knew he was never going to get a spray. So like the halo over Cyril, <laughs> I just used to wedge myself under that. And Clarko was like a magnet. He just wouldn't look there. It would like bounce off and look elsewhere. Yeah. But uh, the. The sprays are all part of it, but the, there's also the good times. The grand final celebrations post game. What, what, what were they? And I mean, the game was done and dusted at halftime, essentially. And, and you were, were you underdogs, or it was a pretty even match. Adelaide had been a, a good side um, all year. What, what was it like yeah. the, the next day, that night? What, what was planned? Yeah, after the room, after the game in the rooms, it was unbelievable. There was. You know, a lot of family and a few friends in there, but um, the best was just when we were in the meeting room, just with the coaches, and you know, they had the champagne, and you know, you've yeah. got dusty um, spraying them everywhere. And oh, but I really enjoyed the next day on the Sunday. Um, not much sleep, if if any at all. Um, but it was just at a function room at Richmond. You know, get presenting the cup to you know, we had forty thousand fans at yeah. the Oval or something like that, something ridiculous like that. And just at a function room, it was just it just reminded me of. Um, the Redan Footy Club, the yeah. one that I grew up loving, just going to the um, premiership celebrations with them. It was just family and friends and the footy club. Like it was for for me, that was um, that was the best day. How yeah, true and, and similar being a Lake Central Footy Club when they would win a flag or whatever, you'd go back to the rooms and it'd be shoulder to shoulder, and you'd feel like there was forty thousand in there as a kid. You'd be like, "This is incredible." The the feeling of the town coming out. The Richmond supporters came out of the woodwork, didn't they? It became, it sort of just snowballed and snowballed and snowballed. Oh, it did, yeah. And then after it was, like, we didn't realise what, how big it was until, you know, the next pre-season when people would stop you in the street and thank you with, you know, tears in their eyes thinking, you know, we never thought we'd see Richmond win a flag. Like, yeah. After all, after all the things that we um, we went through. But I remember um, uh, a, an official from Richmond was pretty careful with the cup that day and yeah. he was sort of just holding it near him and, um, it sort of caught Dusty was um, having a few drinks on my table with some family and sort of caught his eye and he goes, oh, I wonder why he's, he's holding the cup the whole time. Like, um, <laughs> we should be the players. I said, I'll go see if you can get it. And Dusty went over there and he said, oh, hey, mate, can I, I want to grab, you know, grab the cup. And he goes, oh, what, why, what are you, what are you going to do with it? And he goes, why? He goes, mate, I won the bloody <laughs> thing. Give it here. Yeah. And he just comes and sat it on the table there next to us, but. Mate, so yeah, pretty protective of it, but there's a few dings and dints in it. Oh, and that's how it's meant to be. The the story about Dusty leaving his car uh, at the MCG for I don't know, the story's probably grown down to six months or whatever. But how how long a leeway <laughs> were you given um, family life? You know, you've won the flag, you've worked your ass off. How long? When, when did the wife say enough's enough? Oh, I had a good until preseason. I yep. had a good leg rope. It was Sarah <laughs> so was preseason three months. Well. Yeah, so um, she was great because it was obviously late in my career and she obviously knew how hard they are to come by and never thought that we'd probably ever win one. So and she was pregnant at the time as well. So she didn't really feel you yeah. know, like going out and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, she I had a pretty long leg rope. 
Realistically, did you think you were ever going to win one? In, in all seriousness? Nah. Nah. No, I didn't. Not until um, sort of the back end of the year. Uh, and then we beat Geelong in the first final. And I, yeah. I, I remember going home um, with my Maccas after the game. Oh, and, yeah. And, uh, and sitting next to Sarah and just saying, fuck, I think we're going to win it. Like, I just <laughs> yeah. had a, After that game, I just had a belief. And she's like, you're sitting there eating McDonald's and you're going <laughs> to win a premiership in a few weeks. I go, oh, fuck, that's a good point. <laughs> oh, mate, it, it is incredible that feeling when it clicks that you know you've got a good team and you know that like your best team's better than anyone else's best team. But so you've done that. Now, you unfortunately retired uh, last year, which opened the way for a WA boy, Marlon Pickett, to, to join the, the, the club and, and win a flag in his first game. Were you, were you hanging on as best you could or were you just absolutely rooted and it was the, the only thing? Because Damien Harvey spoke about you being a teammate and, and you know, loved by the club and to move on and open an opportunity and all, all that sort of stuff. A, a, out of 10, like, were you, just, you, were, you were just absolutely done. Yeah, mate, I was done. Yeah, I, I knew it. Um, I had a you know a knee problem, and um, you know mentally I was pretty cooked as well. I'd played because I was always sort of on the edge. Like I wasn't yeah. a, a star player who was guaranteed. You know, every exit meeting I'd have with the club, it'd be like, you know, we're going to have some draft picks coming in, and your spot's <laughs> not guaranteed. You're going to have to come back bigger and better yeah. and faster. So I was sort of on the edge the whole time. Um, so I had to, you know, I didn't miss many trainings, didn't miss many games. I battled you know, men- mentally to get myself up a lot. And so, yeah, I, I just, I knew I couldn't get back to AFL. Um, I had to be, to be a good AFL player, I had to be 90%, 95%. I yeah. wasn't athletically gifted enough um, to carry injuries. And, you know, it just sort of, it worked out really well with that new rule with the mid-season draft. And I went to the club, I went to the club and sort of asked them if they were going to use that pick if uh, they had one. And, Rancy had done his knee earlier in the year, so it gave an opportunity for him to stay on the list yeah. in case he come back for finals. Um, yeah, and they said they were going to use the pick and that player could help us right now. If it was just going to be another young player, development player, I might have been a bit stubborn and hung on, but yeah, yeah it was a pretty easy call for me in the end. And you know, I, enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed a good six months ahead of retirement too. That was good. Did, did Pickett ever thank you? Because he doesn't talk much, does he? No, he's pretty quiet. Yeah, he does. Yeah, we've got a pretty cool relationship with him. Yeah. Um, you know, I send him a text every now and then. He wrote me a really nice message oh, just before the grand final um, in the morning of. So, yeah, for him to get his opportunity after what he's been through was um, was a pretty cool story too. We, I did the I did the waffle over here on the, on the weekends, and uh, Pickett played a game where he had, for example, thirty disposals, kicked four, uh, by far best on ground, and. Um, at the time, we had like an M&J chicken $30 voucher, $100 voucher <laughs> or some bloody thing. And you had to go and present it to the player. <laughs> and I walked over oh, yeah, to yeah. Pickett and goes, and nah, bro. And I was like, uh, <laughs> yeah, you kind of have to, I think. Anyway, I was like, I'll, I'll, I promise I'll look after you because I played a little bit of footy again. I said, I promise I'll look after you. It'll just be like you play in the final next week or whatever. Anyway, so we did the interview and the answers were like, yes, no, yes. And I was like, Righto, thanks, yeah. thanks, Pick. Uh, all the best next week, mate. And, uh, yeah, it just did not give me anything. He would have loved the voucher, though, because he's got four kids. Yeah. They would have demolished that chicken. Oh, mate, absolutely. Hey, I ask people who come on, uh, and it's usually I like putting the people on the spot, so they've got to think quickly. Uh, you've got a dinner table set for five. You're one of them. There's four seats Ooh. that you've played footy with. So there's four, there's four oh. seats left at the table. And there's no, there's no bring plus ones or anything like that. I mean, if Dusty wants to bring Serena, I'll take it. 
but yeah, you've got yeah, you got you got four seats uh, over your experiences of uh, two hundred and fourteen games. Who, who who jumps on the table with you for a good night? Uh, it'd probably be Sam Lloyd. Oh yeah, uh, Sammy Lloyd. He's a good country lad. Yeah, Ripper. Yeah, Jacob 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 Townsend. Oh right, okay, yes, it is now. Hard as a cat's head. Yeah, yep. I'd have him on there. Uh, I'd have Favola on there. And um, Favola lot for the party. Fev did text me actually when I put on um, Instagram that that we're doing this, and he asked whether you whether you've ever represented the Philippines in a table tennis tournament. <laughs> a table tennis, yeah. No, he, he's always been dirty on me because I've stitched him up a few times on the table tennis table, and he doesn't like that. Um, and then the other one, yeah, I, it's pretty easy to say, but I'd probably like. I'd probably like Dusty there just for a few hours, but then yeah. you can ship off after that. Yeah, well, a lot of people always put in, you know, we'll have Bard, we'll have Adam Goods, we'll have whatever, because also you're not going to have any trouble getting anywhere. I mean, if it's not not saying you wouldn't, but you, Sam Lloyd, Jacob Townsend, they're, they're hardly, in, uh, you know, you know <laughs> making room for... But you've got to bring the real A-grade, the A-grade celebrity, just to make sure the night runs smoothly. And they can shout. Yeah. Dustin can shout. Mate, what was it like, um, Bud? I told a story once where we went out and the, the night I realised that um, Bud and he was six foot six or whatever, so maybe a little bit different. Dusty can sort of blend in a little bit, but is it, is it a completely different night when Dusty's around? Yeah, it is. Yeah, um, it is. It's it's. He doesn't really like going out and about these yeah. days, but he's he's a bit of a busybody, so I don't really like going out with him because yeah. it, you know occasionally. It'd, it'd be his shout to go to the bar and he'd go to the bar and you'd be looking around for him five minutes <laughs> later and he's not there. Yeah. And then you ring him up and you ring his phone and you go, where are you? And he's like, oh, I'm down at like the pub, a K down the road. Yeah. What are you doing there? <laughs> oh, I had a few mates there. So like, why don't you just tell me? Like he just leaves, yeah. you know, Okay. It's a better offer. So did, um, yeah, he's not that excitable to go out with. Mate, did Jack Rewalt grow up? He, obviously he was kicking goals and winning Coleman's early, but was there a, a, a swing... An obvious swing, and was that directed by the players? Yeah, he did grow up. I think it got to the stage where, as he got older, he thought he looked at, at his career, and he probably you know he saw off, you know won a couple of Coleman's, and but he wasn't really getting anything out of footy. And obviously, when you get older, you realise that the team success, mm. you know, makes your career, and they're the things that you play for. And he sort of um, he found that I think, and he took that team stuff to a new level, and. I think he thrived on sort of being only the only key forward in the 2017 as well. Yeah, so sort of his forward line, and he was looking after these young little whippets. <laughs> and he sort of thrived. He sort of thrived on that a bit. And now that he he's gone the other way, now he goes, "Oh, I'm just a decoy for Lynchy now. That's all I am." So yeah, well, it was ob- it was obvious now. though when you spend a shitload of money on bringing in a, a key position forward. Uh, sorry, Jack, you just got to take the back seat a little bit. And the thing that he hated the most was um, Dimmer in team meetings. You know, he had the team up. Yeah. He'd always have Lynchy full forward, and, yeah. and Jack would be in the pocket, <laughs> yeah. and he would hate that because he'd always want to be full forward. <laughs> oh, mate, so true. I used to um, just hope that uh, when I was playing, similar to you, at the end of every year, you're sort of thinking, you know, shit, how's it looking? And, you know, I'm not going to get delisted, but I've got my long way back. But then when you got named to play and it was on a Sunday, so they couldn't put the whole team in, the extended bench would go out there. <laughs> yeah. And you'd get so many messages from lads saying, oh, mate, you're getting a game, you're getting a game. I'm like, yeah, I'm getting a game. I'm start- I'm actually starting on the wing. Just, I'm not that shit that I'm dropped every week, but Clarko used to put me in the bench every single week. I was like, mate, just cut me some slack. Put me somewhere else for once. 
Yeah, I totally agree with that. That happened to me a few times. It happened to me a few times when I was at Carlton where, um, I don't know for, for the reason, but I was I was getting dropped, but they didn't announce it. They wanted to do a late change. You know, yeah. Someone, you know, say, hey, Scotland was coming back from injury or Nick Stevens. They didn't want anyone to know. So I'd get heaps of messages on a Thursday night saying, yes, you're still in, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, you haven't been dropped. And then I was just like, fuck, I have been dropped. But yeah. like, <laughs> got to go through that embarrassment. <laughs> oh, mate, it's so embarrassing. And well, after you play a good game and you know, I'm picturing you when you were um, rucking and, and you're the, um, the fan favourite, the cult hero of, of Richmond Footy Club, your phone, your phone gets filled up full of all these love messages. Rewind to, mm. you know, six, seven, eight years earlier when you're just kicking, Jill, and trying your hardest and you get finished the game and you get to your phone. There's not one text message from anyone or it might be your parents saying, I'll meet you at home or something. Like, there was just no love. Yeah. Well, that happened. That sort of happened to me towards the back end of my career. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'll, all the young boys who get their phones and you know they'd have all these messages and Instagram and all that. And I'll look at have one and I'd have one off mum saying, Well done. But not even no. Sarah would message me or you know, if I had a good game, nothing. Yeah, so, mum. so true. You used to walk over and go, Oh, this phone's gonna be lit up. Don't worry about that. I've kicked <laughs> yeah. two. You know, well, my mates are gonna love this. And then you'll speak to them during the week and they're like, How'd you go on the weekend, mate? I'm like, You've even given up watching me. You don't even care anymore. Yeah. But um Mate, the uh, the career at the moment. So we've spoken about Carlton briefly, Richmond. Now you're at Geelong. What's what's the role at Geelong, and, and what do you want to do? Um, you know, the future. What's, what's Sean Griggs' future? Oh yeah, it's a hard one to know. But at the moment, yeah, I'm um, a development coach at the Cats. So working with the younger younger brigade, which is which is really good. And I sort of did that the last couple of years of my career, and it's been a pretty easy transition because you mentioned before, you know, Joel Stalwood that we played a lot of footy with. He's been really good in in helping me fit in and the coaches have been really good as well. Matty Knights, he's a, he's another Tiger flyer. So he's yeah. taken me under his wing as well. And uh, I'm not sure what the future holds, but I'm, I'm loving um, learning the coaching caper and taking on the old mob this week, which would be good fun. What uh, you're on the bench. I, I think I, I read an article and it happens every, every single year uh, when a, a player from a successful football club leaves and goes to another club and then the club goes, well, Geelong are going well. It's like is Sean Grigg the hidden the hidden ingredient that's opened up Geelong, <laughs> and I think Mark Stevens tweeted or something uh, two days ago, and it's exactly the same as soon as anyone leaves a footy club <laughs> that's been successful and it transforms. But you sit on the bench. What do you do down on the bench? <laughs> yeah, I just I just talk to the players individually, really, because yep. I can remember as a player you come to the bench, you know, you've got coaches, you know, yelling out all this stuff or. Mm telling you all this stuff that's happening in the game. And then like, you don't, you have no idea or like you're too buggered to even listen. Yeah. So like, I'm just a bit of a, I don't know. I just tell them a few simple messages and you know, what makes them a good player or a couple, you know, what's going wrong in the game or how we can fix it. I don't give them too much. Cause as a player, I remember there's, you know, you can't, you don't want to hear too much on the bench. Yeah. Have you copped any sprays? I know Joel gets hot and Joel gets a real hot head. Uh, occasionally, Hawkins is another mate that is old and um, gets a bit hot as well. Have you cop the old just shut the fuck up, or have they all been? Oh, I haven't yet. I've had a couple where they're like, "Yeah, right, mate, got it, got it, mate." <laughs> yep. Where it pretty much is saying "shut up," but in yeah. a nice way. Yeah, hundred. I've had a couple of them. <laughs> I've had a couple of them. So uh, you go, right, fair enough. And mate, last one before I wrap it. It's been an hour, and I really appreciate your time. Have you ever copped a big, like a sledge from a, from a, an opposing player? And do you remember it? Um, I copped a good one, uh, GWS early days yeah. when they weren't traveling that good. And, you know, we used to go there and bully them and, you know, yeah. run our mouths a bit and all that sort of stuff. And, um, 
uh, I can't remember who it was off, but um, I was pretty good friends with Brett Deledio and um, I had I had a young guy reference something about getting my head out of his ass, Brett Deledio's <laughs> ass. And I just sort of, I just, when you're beating in those sledges, you know, yeah. as, you, as you get older, you don't try and say something back because it no. makes it even worse. I was just like, yeah, actually, you've got me there, young fella. But especially when you got the mouth guard in, you're firing up, and you, you can't get your words out. You're spitting, and you're like, <laughs> uh, yeah, you got me. I remember Steve Milne one day. I was playing, and I had to go play on Milne, and Milne was a good footballer. And he like, oh, shit, yeah. he gave me the old two fingers to come to him. He's like, come, <laughs> come here, you little dweeb. And I was like, yeah. shit. I mean, I cop like people, yeah, you know, swearing at me or whatever. But for some reason, I still remember Milne saying, "Come here, you little dweeb." And I was like, "Oh no, who's going to kick goals?" Um, oh mate, it's uh, it's been an incredible journey, mate, for you. Two hundred fourteen games, but obviously life member at Richmond, uh, premiership player, premiership ruckman, and I'm going to make it my sole uh, task as well with the Geelong Football Club to chase up champion data. I will sit through that game, uh, the grand final, and if I can find a hit out that I can associate you to. I'm going to cut it and send it into champion data because that's bullshit that I was on AFL tables and you did not have a hit out in that grand final. If you say you did, I believe you and I'm going to resolve it. It cuts me deep. Thanks, mate. I appreciate it. Nah, good on you, mate. Really enjoy it. Uh, love watching you play. It was always good fun as kids growing up. Rock, paper, scissoring who we didn't want to play on because we were frightened of them. <laughs> uh, you know, your career was, was great and uh, always did it with a smile on your face. And as, as I've said, the common sense officer... Uh, is such a good title to have over your head. And uh, congratulations on your career. Thanks very much. Thanks, mate. Love your work.